0: Go with me again, please, to Hebrews, the third chapter, and the seventh verse. Hebrews 3 and 7. He said, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, Today, if you will hear his voice. So that means we have a choice. You can if you will. You don't have to if you choose not to. But if you will hear his voice, What should you not do? Harden not your hearts. Harden not your hearts from what? From what you're hearing. From hearing his voice. Don't harden your hearts when you hear his voice. Like they did in the provocation in the day of the temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved. With that generation. And I said they do always err in their hearts. And they have not known my ways. What are God's ways? God's ways are among other things. Jesus said come and learn of me. Didn't he? And what did he tell us about his character and his ways? I am meek. Does that mean weak? Weak. Oh, no, far from it. In fact, it takes much more strength to be meek than it does to be proud. Pride is an indicator of weakness, spiritual weakness. It takes strength to humble yourself. Hmm? Yes. You've done it, you know. I mean, your flesh is wanting to do stuff, and you've got feelings of anger or resentment or hurt or whatever, and you, God gives you enough discernment to know this is just pride. This is not right. And so you, you get a hold of your tongue and you shut it up. You get a hold of your feelings and you push them aside and you humble yourself. That takes strength, doesn't it? Any fool can get mad and spout off. Any fool can lose their temper and do and say what they feel and what strikes their mind and comes across them. But it takes strength to be in control of your feelings Your emotions, your thoughts, your words, and they can be strong, can't they? Oh, man, you know, feelings can be strong, but that doesn't make them right. You can feel, you know, I've had people look at me and say, yes, but I feel strongly about this. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel very strongly. Oh, you feel very strongly. (laughs) That doesn't make it true. The word, thy word is truth. Yeah. No matter how you feel, even if you feel very strongly. <laughs> Another way, his word is truth. And if you're strong, you'll set your feelings aside and say, it doesn't make you nervous how I feel. This is true. Right. And if you get to where you begin to do that, then you'll not be a, a flesh controlled person any longer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, but the greater one inside you will quicken your spirit and you'll be spirit led and spirit dominated and you'll be a victorious one. Thank you, Lord, because we all got flesh and we all got feelings and sometimes things just hit you a certain way and, and you can be tempted to get down or, or get upset And you know, if you walk in faith like you're supposed to and you become a strong Christian, people won't be able to tell that you're having challenges and troubles. If people can sit down beside you and tell that you're having a rough day, you're carnal. (laughs) Because you are allowing your feelings to be expressed. And you're yielding to them. That's why some people have the mistaken notion that the devil's picking on them. Some people think, and really it's pride, they think that half of hell is assigned to them. <laughs> and sometimes they begin to talk about it's because of the call that they have on their life. And, and a lot of them are doing very little <laughs> for the kingdom of God. And yet they feel like that you know I'm so important and what I'm doing is so major that half a hell has been assigned to me and and uh, don't realize that they're just being babies. Yeah, that's right. They're just yielding. No. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory yeah. through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are overcomers more than conquerors through him that loves us. So we don't have to be thought ruled, feeling ruled, desire ruled, circumstance ruled. Fear ruled, and when I say ruled, I mean, uh, you could also say it like this, led. Led by your feelings. Led by your desires. Led by your fears. Say it out loud, I'm not fear led. I'm not feeling led. I am spirit led. Know what the Bible said? The sons of God are led by the spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Say it again. I'm spirit led. -led. Say it again. I'm spirit led. I'm spirit led. -led. -led. Not feeling led. Not fear led. Not Not desire -led. desire -led. led. Spirit led. Spirit led. Now, I haven't digressed. We're talking about hardening the heart. And we'll see it connected to part of this is rebellion. And why do people rebel? Why do they harden themselves? Why do they rebel? Feelings. Anger. Resentment. Bitterness. And they just respond to that and yield to that. And when you yield to anger and feelings of resentment and feelings of rebellion, you're going to rebel. You're going to harden yourself. There'll be times things will hit you. Maybe you weren't expecting it, but the feelings of it will just boom, it'll hit you, and it's real and it's powerful, but that doesn't make it right. Anybody with me this morning now doesn't make it right. And you have to discipline yourself to go, wait now, wait, I know I want to do this, and I want to say this, and this is so strong on me right now, but is it right? Is this right? And you check in your heart, and if you've been putting the word inside you, thank God the Holy Spirit can bring it up to you. And so many times he'll bring a scripture to you, and you'll go, that can't be right, because this word says this. And you've got to get a hold of yourself. And say, so I can't yield to this feeling. i got to cast this thought down, because it is exalting itself against the knowledge of the word of God. And it's not right. Cast it aside. This happens with all of us. Keep reading here. He said, harden not your hearts. As in the provocation, verse 9, your fathers tempted me, proved me. I was grieved with that generation. I said, they do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. I swore in my wrath, they'll not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it's called today, lest any of you should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we're made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. Say it out loud, harden not your heart. Not your heart. Say it again, harden not, harden not your heart. One more time, harden not harden your your heart. Is this a issue? Is it a temptation? Is it a real danger? It is to you. Huh? If you don't stay on top of it, if you don't watch it, could you harden your heart? Oh yeah. See he's comparing, he's using the example of what happened to the Israelites that were delivered out of Egyptian bondage that later perished in the wilderness. And he's saying, don't let that happen to you. He's writing to us. He's saying the same thing could happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. Don't harden your heart. Go to Proverbs, please. 29th chapter. Let's review this again. Proverbs 29. 29 and 1. It says, He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that Without remedy. The new century says whoever is stubborn after being corrected many times will suddenly be hurt beyond cure. Some have said, well, I had to harden myself to protect myself to keep from being hurt. That's not true. That's I mean, maybe they've done it, but their thinking is wrong. Actually, the ones who harden themselves are the ones who will be hurt the most. He said, "The English ver- today's English version, if you get more stubborn every time you're corrected, one day you'll be crushed and never recover. So there's described here a condition a person can get in where they can't get help. And, uh, you know, take, for instance, you hear sometimes people talk about the sin unto death, the unpardonable sin. And there are numerous people in mental institutions, and not just two or three, many people in mental institutions today, they believe they've committed the so-called unpardonable sin. And the truth is, they don't even know what it is. But the enemy takes advantage of people's ignorance. And people have literally lost their mind believing they're lost and they can't get back to God because they've committed the so-called unpardonable sin. But if you look at the book of Hebrews, in fact, just, you were there, I guess. Go back to Hebrews then. (laughs) If I'd have known, I'd have told you to hold your place, but (laughs) Hebrews 6 describes the sin Not forgiven. And he describes in chapter 6. Verse 4. It is impossible. Now. You don't see that word so often. In the scripture. But this is a similar vein. To what we just got through reading in Proverbs 29. Without cure. Without. Recovery. And he's describing that situation. It is impossible. For those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Enlightened means you saw your lost condition and you saw what Jesus had done for you. Tasted of the heavenly gift, you received Jesus. He is the heavenly gift. And you were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. You're filled with the Spirit of God, spoken of the tongues, have power to be a witness, and... Tasted the good word of God, not just beginning on the milk of the word, but you've been feeding on the word of God and the meat of the word. And you've tasted of the powers of the world to come. You have experience in the gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. How many understand this is not a baby Christian that got saved two days ago. This is somebody that's been saved, filled with the spirit. Mature at least to some degree in the word and know the power and gifts of the spirit. Back up to verse four. Now, it is impossible for these folks, verse six, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. And it goes, well, verse 7, for the earth which drinks the rain that comes oft upon it brings forth herbs meat for them by whom it is dressed receives blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is near unto cursing whose end is to be burned. Cursing, destruction. What is this? This is not somebody that missed it. And then they said, oh, man, I can't get forgiven. I've had people I've dealt with along this line before. And they said, oh, Brother Keith, I've committed the unpardonable sin. I said, what, what did you do? And so they told me, and maybe, you know, they stole something. They lied. They committed adultery. They did this or that. And, and they said, I, I can't be saved. And I said, who told you you couldn't be saved? Well, I just feel like that. And I, I said, i got one question for you. One. Do you want to be right with God? Amen. Oh, tears came and said, oh, yes, Brother Keith, with all my heart. I said, then there's no way you've committed the unpardonable sin. That's right. No way. See, what did it say it was impossible to do in this passage? With somebody that's born again, full of the spirit, got the word in them, knows the gifts of the spirit. You can't renew them again to repentance. Right. You can't get them to repent. Or are you hearing this? How yes. many understand if they would repent, God would forgive them? Why can't they be forgiven? They, can't repent. they won't repent. You can't renew them to repentance. Somebody that's in this situation, you could go to them, and even if they're in sin up to their eyes, you can say, Please come back. Come back to God and they'd probably cuss you out and say, don't talk to me about him again. I don't want to hear about it. Leave me alone. Then that's indication that this is the situation. And see, this is the same type of thing, different levels and measures of it, but the same type of thing, he who being often reproved and stiffens his neck and hardens his heart, he'll be destroyed. Why? Because you can't get him to listen. You can't get her to receive it. If she would receive it, if he would receive it and be corrected and change, you wouldn't be destroyed. But the reason they'll go on and be destroyed or not be forgiven in this case is because you can't get them to change. Can't get them to repent. They've hardened themselves. Can you see this, friends? They've hardened themselves. And they won't listen. And the harder you get, the more vehement you get in your resistance. And you, you know, you just, people even start to say something to you and you'll just cuss them out, or shut them down, or come down on them. You've got no tolerance for it. You want to hear it. And when you get like that, you're in trouble. I said, you're in trouble. There's nothing left but impending destruction. And it can happen in a hurry, Suddenly. Now, go with me, please, to the Old Testament, and uh, let's look in the book of uh, Exodus, excuse me, uh, Deuteronomy, first of all, Deuteronomy, the first chapter. Anybody know the solution to these scenarios and situations? (laughs) How could you avoid such a thing? Does anybody know? Be correctable. When you're reproved, don't harden. Could you do something besides harden yourself when you're reproved? What could you do? You could humble yourself. Instead of harden yourself, you could humble yourself and repent. Change. When you see something and it's correcting you. You'll do one of two things. Light comes and it shows up a deficiency in you, a mistake, an error, a wrong heart, a wrong motive, wrong actions and words. When the light comes and shows it up and you see it, now you got a choice. Here's the light. You see it. You don't look good in it. (laughs) You can either humble yourself. And receive it Hmm? and say, yeah, that's the truth. I have been that way and I don't want to be that way. And I'm changing. Receive it. Yeah, that's truth. Confess it. Yes, that's truth. Repent. yes. And what the Bible say, God is faithful. Let's back up. How many know 1 John 1, 9? Surely, you know, 1 John 1, 9. I know you've had to use it. Quote 1 John 1, 9 to me. Help me out. If we what? Don't run past that part. If we what? See, a lot of folk are failing in this. What does confess mean? See, confess reveals humility and reception. Because if you're not receiving it, you're not going to confess it. You're going to dodge it, you're going to dance around it, you're going to make excuses, and you're going to blame other people. That's right. Well, you did such and such. Well, I don't know. I mean, how do other people do that? And you know, so-and-so didn't help me. If they'd have helped me, then are you confessing anything? No. no you're not. So can you be forgiven? No. You're not confessing anything. Parents, train your children in this. Something comes up, and they messed up, and you call them on it. If they start giving you a song and dance, shut it down. Y'all with me or not? Yeah. Shut it, don't let it go. Well, yeah, but so-and-so was doing it, and he was in my way, and they did it. Stop, stop, stop. One way you can tell rebellion, rebellion won't answer a question straight up. Did you run over the garbage can? Well, you know, I got up late and I went out there in the car. Uh, Joe didn't park the car where he was supposed to. And I was getting in the car. Whoa, whoa. Did you run over the garbage can? Well, you know, I wasn't feeling good last night. And you ever heard this before? This is not OK. This is a wrong heart. And it's the kind of thing, if you don't get straight, it can get worse and worse and worse, and destruction can come. This is so common that people don't even pay any attention to it. They think it's normal. They think it's okay. It's rebellion. Rebellion is the nature of the devil. That's not okay. How many remember when uh, Saul rebelled against the Lord? And he brought the offerings. Instead of obeying God, he's going to give a big offering. And remember what the Lord said through the prophet? Rebellion, he said, is as the sin of witchcraft. Isn't it? Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, everybody, I guess, has a little rebellious side to them. That's like saying everybody practices a little witchcraft every now and then. (laughs) Isn't it? So boy, I said, boy, I was rebellious today. I'm sorry. I mean, do we look at that the same as, you know, I practiced a little witchcraft before I came to church this morning. But uh hope you all don't mind too. All right. Do you see what I'm saying? We We have made allowances for this stuff like it's no big deal. It is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. God hates it. Our father absolutely abhors. It's an abomination to him. He hates it. And anything he hates, we should hate. Ever since I began learning about this years ago, I despise pride. I didn't say proud people. I said pride. And anytime I see it in myself, it annoys me. I said, oh, God, help me to get this out of me. Because it's there. Yeah. And if you're growing, you'll see a piece of it every now and then. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. It'll come up, and you'll hear yourself say something, you'll go, oh, that's pride. Yeah. Trying to draw attention to yourself, trying to take glory to yourself. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it's evidenced in so many ways, and one of them is not answering a question Preach. and not taking responsibility. Dodging and dancing and blaming. Did you run over the garbage can? Yes. <laughs> <It was me. laughs> yeah, I flattened that sucker out. I did. <laughs> Why would you do it? I wasn't watching what I was doing. I... Hmm? Fumbling with the radio. Didn't I tell you to not be messing with the radio when you drive? Yes, sir. Why were you doing it? Disobedient? <laughs> dumb? Acting dumb? Foolish? I'm to understand. This person, though, can get grace. Are you with me? The person that won't answer the question. The person that makes excuses. The person that blames others. Doesn't qualify For grace, they qualify to get resisted. Are y'all with me now? You believe this or not? It's the truth. It's the truth. If you want to get your sins forgiven, what is step number one? Do what? Discuss it, explain it, what? Confess confess. What does confess mean? I did it. It was me. And it's sin. It's wrong. I did it and I'm judging it. It's sin. It's wrong. No dancing around it. No playing with it. And if you will confess your sin, what's the rest of the verse say? He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we were right there in Proverbs 29, back up there in the 28th chapter. He talks about if you hide and cover your sins, you will not prosper. It is not going to go well for you. But if you will confess them and forsake them, you will have mercy. Some people need to put their eyes on that instead of me quoting that. Hold your place here in Deuteronomy. Go back to Proverbs 28. I want you to mark this one. If you don't have it marked, mark it. Let it be burned into your consciousness. If you're in trouble, if you're messed up, what do you need? What do you need to come out? You need mercy and you need grace, don't you? You don't want to be judged, you don't want to be punished. You don't want to be destroyed. You want to come out. So you want mercy. You want grace. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28 and 13. Make sure you got this one marked. Read it out loud. What does it say? He that covers his sin. How many know this song and dance is an attempt to cover? Isn't it? Cover what you did. Get the spotlight off of you. Yeah, you ran over the garbage can, but we're going to try to put the spotlight on Joe because he parked the car in the wrong place, right? And get people to forget about me running over the can. Let's focus on him. Focus on the car. The car had a sticky accelerator. <laughs> How many know that's a cover job? You're trying to cover. You're trying to cover. And what the Bible say? If you cover your sins, your mistakes, what's going to happen? You will not. Prosper. Now we believe in prosperity. Oh, we do. Don't we? Yeah. We are prosperity believing bunch. You're not going to find a more prosperity believing bunch than us. Amen. Am I right or am I right? Yes. But is it true that no matter how many uh, prosperity series and DVDs and tapes you got in your closet. And how many prosperity conventions you've been to. And how many prosperity confessions you make. If you cover your sins. You will not prosper. Is that true? This, this verse is just as true as Philippians 4.19. Uh-huh. Right? If you cover your sins, what will happen? Shall not prosper. But, if what? Whoso. Now, do you know what confession is now? What is confession? No song and dance, no blame shift. Step up to the plate, be a man, be a woman, face the music. Huh? Did you do it? (laughs) If you did it, it was you. Now, on the other hand, if you didn't do it, you didn't do it. As a minister, if you're on TV and you're on the Internet and more people know about you, then more people have opportunity to send you ugly grams. (laughs) Nowadays, with email, it's too easy to send an ugly gram. And uh, people will send things about you that's not very nice. And I've had people say some very unkind things about me. And uh, I want to be open to be corrected. But I don't want to receive something that's just meant to hurt me and condemn me right, right, right. and discourage me for no reason. You understand what I'm saying? So when I hear something, my first question is, is it true? Am I like that? Did I do that? That's good. And if I did, even if they meant it wrong and they did it wrong, it's still true. I need to repent. But if it's not true, I'm not going to waste any of my day on it either. Right? We're going to file it in the proper place. <laughs> <laughs> and forget about it. And realize it was something meant to hurt you. And hinder you. And see to it that you don't let that happen. You don't let it bog you down. And a lot of things you're just better off not hearing. Not reading. He that confesses and forsakes them. What will they get? They shall have mercy. You know what mercy means? Mercy means you don't get the punishment and destruction you deserved. You do get The forgiveness and and blessing you didn't deserve. Hallelujah. (laughs) People look at confession and admission of these things uh, in a negative light. But oh, friend, repentance is a gift. I said repentance is a gift. (laughs) It's a way to get out of your problem. And avoid the punishment. Because Jesus has already taken your place and taken the punishment. For you and I. But you'll only get it. If you confess it and forsake it, then you get mercy. Go back to Deuteronomy, please. You were holding your place there. Deuteronomy, before we go any further, are you going to work on answering your questions? (laughs) Especially if it's something where you missed it. Just look them straight in the eye and fess up. Right? Take responsibility. No song and dance. Look at your neighbor, help them out. Say, no song and dance. <laughs> no, no, no messing around. Just step up. In Deuteronomy, the first chapter, we read in Hebrews about him warning us, don't harden your hearts like they did. The first generation of Israelites that he delivered out of Egyptian bondage. And so I want us to go back and look at how they did that briefly. And examine ourselves so we'll know when we're having the same temptations that they had. So we can catch it before we yield to it. In Deuteronomy 1, verse 8, he had told them, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land, which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and to their seed after them. So what is it time to do? Time to go up, go in, possess the land. Now skip on down to verse 19. Chapter 119. When we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which you saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you are coming to the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God does give to us. Behold, the Lord your God has set the land before you. What do you do? Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has said to you. Fear not, neither be discouraged. Go get it. So in verse 22, we came near, you came near to me and they sent the tribe, sent the spies, excuse me, uh, 12 men, one of each tribe. Verse 24, they turned, they came to the mountain, searched it out. Verse 25, they came back with those giant grapes and, and all the fruit. They said, it is a good land, which the Lord our God does give us, notwithstanding, verse 26, are you there? You would not go up. What did the Lord say, do? Go up. So what they do? Wouldn't go up. But you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God and you murmured in your tents and you said because the Lord hated us. He brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the land of the Amorites to destroy us. Faith they lacked. But the faith is in God. It's in His character. They believed a lie that God wouldn't be there for them, and he brought them out there for them to be consumed. Now, that is maligning God's character. He's not like that. Somebody say, he's not like that. that. He's not a God who's going to get you halfway and just leave you hanging He's not a God who's going to stand by while you're destroyed and spile down the drain and don't care while you're trying to believe him. He's not a God who's afar far off in heaven and you're a little speck of dust on the earth and you're insignificant to him and he doesn't really care. These are lies. I said, these are lies. He that comes to God must believe that he is and you must believe something else. You must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. What does that mean? When you seek him, he's going to respond to you. When you depend on him, he's going to come through for you. He's a good God. And they believed the devil lying to them about the character of God, that he wouldn't be there for them, that they could attack these giants and God wouldn't be there and they'd be consumed and they'd be destroyed. They believed lies about our good God. Somebody said out loud, he'll never leave me. He'll never never forsake me. He'll never never let me down. Never. Never. Do you trust him? Do you believe in him? You see a description of rebellion right here. And you see them hardening themselves. Instead of being close to the father, instead of holding on to him, they're looking at him suspiciously. Oh, can you see this? And when the commands and instructions are coming, they're saying, well, now, is he leading us to our slaughter? He's sending us in there to just be consumed and destroyed. They're suspicious of God. And so they rebelled. They said, we're not going to do it. We're not going to let you send us up there to be crushed and destroyed by those giants. We're not going to do it. Rebellion, if the definition of it means to resist. Another word is to be bitter. Are they resisting? What did he say? Go up. So what would they do? They wouldn't go up. Go up. They said, no, <laughs> we're not going up. They rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. Rebellion means to resist, to oppose. <clears throat> Do you know there's a lot of folks, and, and included in these people, are Christians, church going folks? They like to argue. They like to argue. They're contrary. If you say go up, what's their first response? <laughs> no, let's don't go. You say up, they'll say down. If you say in, they'll say out. Hmm? You say do, they'll say don't. If you say don't, they'll say do. It's just they'll do it without thinking. Because there's something in their nature and in their mind that just goes uh uh <laughs> Well come here. No. We'll stay there. No, I'm gonna come now. <laughs> No matter what you say, they're going to do the opposite. Oh, can you see this? They, and this is nothing but the nature of the devil. Understand, the devil hates God. And he hates you. It wouldn't matter what God said, he's going to do the opposite. Do you want that nature in you? No. no. God forbid. But if you keep hardening yourself, that's what you'll become. Just like you can train yourself to yield without thinking. Many have trained themselves to resist without thinking. They'll just resist before they think about it. Over a period of time, they've become resentful of certain individuals, certain situations and people. And before they even think about it, before they even know what you're talking about, they'll just take the opposite position just because it was you. Because of that, you're not always able to minister to your immediate family. Ken folks. Because it would make a difference how true it is if it's coming from you. They don't want to hear it. You need to be, have enough discernment to recognize that and realize they're already resisting you and they don't even know what you're saying yet. You need to shut up most of the time. Just back off and ask the Lord to send a laborer across their path. They will listen to. (laughs) I I, I don't know what the times I've had pastors and minister friends where we came to their church. We came to their meetings and we did things. And their kids got all excited or their people got all excited. And he just looked at me and shook his head and said, I've been teaching that same thing for 10 years. (laughs) And you come in here and almost said it verbatim what I said. And they think, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. He said, but I'm just glad they're getting it. Sometimes people, they, they formed an opinion, and, and there's some bitterness that they've let in there. How many know the Bible warns us about a root of bitterness Amen. that can defile many? It can spread around, and it is manifested in this rebellion. He said, go up. So what'd they do? They wouldn't go up. Keep reading. They murmured in their tents. Verse 27, they said, the Lord hated us. Is that true? It's a lie. A lie from the pit. But they're believing it. Does being deceived and rebellion go together? Certainly, didn't he warn us in Hebrews about the deceptiveness of sin? Believing lies and rebellion go together. The more hard-headed and hard-hearted you get, the more easy you are to deceive. I don't want to be deceived, do you? What does deceive mean? Deceive means you are believing a lie is true. You actually believe it's true. But it's a lie. Here they are crying themselves. Silly. Distraught in their tents. And God hates us. He brought us out. He did all that stuff. But it's because he had this evil plan to get us out here and crush us in the wilderness. And let these giants dismember us. Because he hates us. The other one said yeah he does. And they're all crying. And they use this to justify. Them saying no. We're not going. You're not going to send us to our certain death. No. And. Uh, let me see. For time's sake. Skip on down. After they. Said all that. Verse 40. The word came through Moses. He said well alright. Turn you. And take your journey into the wilderness. The wilderness. Is it a nice place? Huh? One thing you can say about it. It's a dry place. This is true physically. It's true spiritually. Everybody say dry place. Dry place. Say it again. Dry place. Dry place. Play. One more time. Dry, dry place. Play. They didn't want to go up to the promised land so what's their alternative yeah. alright then you don't want to obey turn around and go back into and stay in yeah. the dry right. place right. Mm-hmm. go back and then we answered you answered and said to me verse 41 we've sinned against the Lord They see they're going back into the dry place uh, we will go up and fight According to all that the Lord our God has commanded us. And when you had girded on every man his weapons of war and you were ready to go up to the hill. The Lord said to me, tell them, don't go. Go not up. So what they do? So what they do? (laughs) Let's go over this again real slow. He said, go up. So what they do? They wouldn't go. Now he says, don't go. So what are they going to do? They're going. He said, go not up. Don't fight, for I'm not among you, lest you be smitten before your enemies. I spoke to you, but you wouldn't hear it. You rebelled. See, why? Because it was in them. This rebellion is just in them. It wouldn't matter what you said. You say go, they won't go. You say stay, they want to go. And these things are written for our examples. Admonition for us. And He's warning us in Hebrews don't do what they did. That means you can. That means there's a danger. You will. And it's only by the grace of God that you won't. He said, don't go. But you wouldn't listen. You rebelled against the Lord. Against the commandment of the Lord And you went presumptuously up the hill Now see This looks like to the Person on the outside It looks like an act of faith They're girding on their weapons They're launching an attack up the hill Against naturally superior forces It looks like faith But when the Lord told you don't do it It's not faith It's rebellion Oh come on can you see this And there's a lot of people today, they're doing stuff and calling it faith, but what you don't see is the Lord told them, don't do that. They're trying to make it look courageous on the outside, but the truth is, it's rebellious. They went presumptuously up the hill, and they were defeated. Let's go over this again real slow. The Lord says, go, what do you do? You go. Go. He says, stay. What do you do? Stay. stay. If the Lord says, go, what's the devil going to tempt you to do? Stay. Don't go. There will come temptation, feelings, thoughts, reasonings. Why don't go. Uh, if you listen to him, he has all kinds of imaginations and reasonings to convince you. How many of they sat in their tents and became absolutely convinced? We'd be fools if we go up there. We're not going. You can't make us go. And then when they realized they came to their senses and the light came on and they're being sent back into the wilderness and their promised land is, they're not going the right direction now. They're going away from it. They said, oh, my Lord, we've missed it. No, we're going to go. We'll go. Uh, sorry. Sorry. We don't know what we were thinking. We, we will go. Get your weapons on, boys. Let's go. And the Lord said, no, no, don't go now. Uh, No, we're going to go. <laughs> Friend. What happened to them eventually? Do you know what happened to them eventually? They were destroyed in the dry place after suffering out there for 40 years in the dry place. Why? Because it kept coming up and they would defy and they would harden themselves and they were obstinate. And, you know, people use different terminology to describe it today. You know, sometimes people say, well, I'm, I'm poor, but I'm proud. I've got my pride. And they use that as an excuse to be defiant, rebellious. Well, friends, God will deliver you from both of those cursed conditions. How many would rather be humble and rich? Than Poe and Proud. Oh, yeah. Take my name off the Poe and Proud list. No. <laughs> Look at some more of this. Go to Exodus 16. How I many know this was not the end of this? This had been going on before this point, And it continued. Year after year. In the wilderness, we saw this, the destruction, the sudden destruction from which there is no recovery. It doesn't come because you rebelled one time and resisted the Lord and didn't obey him one time or or even twice. He who being often reproved We saw with Pharaoh, it happened over and over and over again. And every time you get more obstinate, more rebellious, more hard hearted, eventually you get to that place. God's merciful. And this happened with them. They didn't just die in the wilderness, you know, the first day or week or year. But they kept responding the same way. They kept missing it the same way. He'd say, Do it, and they wouldn't. He'd say, Don't do it. Now they want to do it. Exodus 16, you see that they were grumbling because they didn't have anything to eat, they were upset. They were complaining against Moses and Aaron. They were complaining against the Lord. And in verse 12, he said, I've heard your murmurings. And uh, he sent quail into the camp. And in verse 13, in the morning, the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, verse 14, this is Exodus 16, 14. There was a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, uh, it is manna. Actually, they said manna, which means, what is it? <laughs> you know, the Lord told them he's sending them provision. And when it showed up, they said, what is this? So many times the Lord does things differently than what we thought it would be and how it comes. But you got to be keep your eyes open to recognize it. And, and, and uh, Moses said to him, this is the bread that the Lord told you about that he's given you. And this is the thing which the Lord has commanded you. Gather of it in omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take of every man of them which is in his tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. When they did meet it out, he that had gathered much had nothing over. He that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Don't save any of it. So naturally, what did they do? Notwithstanding they hearkened not to Moses, but some of them left of it, or they saved it till the morning, and it bred worms, and it stank, and Moses said he laughed and thought it was funny, and said, I knew you couldn't resist. I knew y'all were gonna save some of it. Uh uh-uh. uh. This is not funny to God. No. I said, This is not funny to God. Rebellion is not funny to God, no way, no how. It's the nature of his enemy. And it was expressed through Moses. Moses was what? He was wroth with them. He wasn't just a little put out with them. He was very angry with them that anybody saved it. Because this is not a matter of ignorance. Everybody was very clear. Don't save any of it. We live in a society that has made exceptions for rebellion from childhood on up. People expect rebellion and think nothing of it when they see it and hear it. And people have done away because they're making more and more tolerance and accommodation and acceptance provision for sin then people don't want any repercussions for sin. They just want more instruction. And many, even in the church, are, like the scripture says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They just want more instruction. Let me make a statement to you the Lord gave me years ago. Ignorance needs instruction. Rebellion needs discipline. Not instruction. Ignorance doesn't need discipline. Whether it's with a child. Whether it's with an employee. Whether it's with somebody that's helping in a capacity. Ignorance doesn't need discipline. What does ignorance need? Ignorance needs instruction. And if you're a leader. And somebody under you didn't do what you wanted them to do. And something didn't turn out right. And it upset you. It made you angry. Be a good leader. Don't just act on your feelings. You need to find out. Did I communicate to them right. yes. what I wanted done? And listen to me. You have not communicated until they have understood. Right. That's yeah. it. That's right. That's it. Yeah. This is Well, I told them exactly what did they understand. If they didn't understand, I don't care how eloquently you put it. And how perfectly you knew what you were trying to say, you did not communicate it to them unless and until they understand it. You haven't communicated until they've understood. Which means, instead of trying to make people to adapt to you all the time, a good communicator will learn people's language. I'm not necessarily talking about speaking a different language from a different Culture, but you learn, I mean, uh, you drive up to the drive through fast food and you say, right, give me a cheeseburger and a fry. And they may come back and say, do you want such and such or do you want such and such or do you want a jumbo jiffy or do you want a special number three or do you? Th-? And you say, "I j- just give me a cheeseburger. Well, you're just causing yourself unnecessary pain you're at their place. You want them to understand you? You look at the menu and find out what they call a cheeseburger. Uh, Are you with me now? And you call it what they call it. (laughs) You get all worked up and go, why can't they just give me a blooming cheeseburger? I mean, that's all I want. You're a fool. A proud fool. You think everybody in the world, people you don't even know, corporations have nothing to do with you. You can roll up in your little car and they're all supposed to adapt to you. And do it your way. You're a proud fool. Or at least you're being one that morning. Oh, this is going over great, isn't it? it. it. (laughs) What did Paul say? I become all things... To all men. Might by all means save some. Why? If you will be open. Tender hearted. Instead of hard hearted. Open and humble. Instead of proud and obstinate. Then you will be open to God. Giving you a supernatural. Adaptability. Everywhere you go. It's a wonderful thing. Ministers, please get a hold of this. Everybody needs to get a hold of this. If you let it flow through you, it will increase your effectiveness in communication and fellowship hundredfold. I've been to places before I'd never been there. It was a different culture. If it was a different place, I was from a completely different background and and rearing and everything. And if you say, Lord, how can you use me to help these people. I am not wanting them to adapt to me. I'm going to be in their environment. In their world. For a few days. Lord help me. And man. Phrases that come to me that I've never used. Illustrations that I never thought of. Saying things in ways. I think boy that's a strange way to say that. And people will come up to him afterwards and say. You sure you've never been here before? That's how we say it. Well the Holy Ghost knows that. Doesn't he? Why did you say that that way? That's how my grandpa said it. We always—that's how—it's peculiar to our area that we call it that. But immediately it gives you connection with people. Oh, can you see this friend? You don't go around expecting everybody to adapt to you, unless you're foolish and proud. Selah. <laughs> You haven't communicated until what? Until they've understood. Of course, I, you know, I and folks like me think more about this because this is my job communicating. And, uh, you, communication is so much more than words, than letters strung together. Uh, you'll learn, you need to learn this with your spouse, you need to learn this with your kids. Talk to them, but look at them. See, you can tell if they're getting it or not, can't you? And it's going to do no good for them to rush off and they didn't know what you said. And you said it perfectly. And you knew exactly what you wanted and wanted them to do. That doesn't really matter. You already knew. (laughs) Right? (laughs) What do they know? (laughs) Look at them. And a lot of times I'll have folks, you know, I can tell they were drifting on me while I'm talking to them. So I'll just stop and I'll say... Now, feed that back to me. (laughs) What are we going to (laughs) do? And a lot of times you'll catch stuff and they'll say, well, we were going to. I go, no, 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 that's not what we're going to do. And sometimes I'll have people repeat it to me two or three times. tell me again. What are we going to do? Because I haven't communicated until they've understood. So now if it didn't go the way it was supposed to go, I wanted it to go. And I find out they never understood what I wanted. Do they need discipline? No, they need instruction. Now, what if they were perfectly clear on what we were to do, what we wanted them to do? And they just had a better idea. <laughs> so that means we need to sit down and talk and have instruction. Huh? No. 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 And you got mothers. Pleading and trying to reason. With three year olds. In the grocery store aisle. Wow. Explaining to them. Endlessly. The kid knew what you wanted him to do. The first time you said it sometimes. He just don't want to do it. And you can explain for two hours. And he's still not going to want to do it. Rebellion. Doesn't need Instruction. Now, our society is warped on this. The church is warped on this. The church will instruct till the cows come home. And just keep instructing and instructing and instructing. And all it is doing is coddling rebellion. And making allowances for it. No. If somebody understood perfectly. And they just rebelled. You don't need to explain it anymore. They understood it before. It's time for discipline. Something needs to happen. That's going to cost them. Are you with me? No long drawn out discussions. Something needs to happen. Are y'all with me or not? Oh boy, this is fun today. What does rebellion need? Instruction. Huh? Huh? What does rebellion need? It needs discipline. Discipline. What does ignorance need? Do these guys know they're not supposed to save manna overnight? Do they know it? So what they do? They saved it. What do they need? They don't need any more instruction. They need discipline. Keep reading. Down about verse... uh, 23, Moses said, this is that which the Lord said, tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, seethe what you will seethe, and that which remains over, lay up. Now he says, save it. (laughs) This is so simplistic, isn't it? First he said, don't save it. Now he says, save it. And uh, they laid it up. Uh, Like Moses told him, and it didn't stink. And there were no worms in it. It didn't go bad. And he said, now eat what you got today. Today's the Sabbath. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days, not seven, six days you gather. But on the seventh day, uh, there will be none. And so he told them, you know, don't go. (laughs) So, of course, what'd they do? It came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for together, and they found none. And the Lord said, you guys, you're just so curious. You just have independent little spirits. You have to think for yourself and explore and confirm for yourself. That's signs of intelligence. (laughs) I'm quoting from child psychology books. Hmm? <laughs> they have a strong little spirit. Because there must be a leader. And it's a sign of better intelligence. They challenge authority. It shows they're smart. And they, it shows they're acting devilish. They're yielding to the devil. <laughs> well, they're so curious. And, and they want to know. How does that excuse them from listening? How many understand a child following instructions, it can save their life. But they're intelligent and they're not exploring the middle of the freeway. (laughs) Challenging authority. It's devilish. I said it's devilish. And God despises it. He hates it. What did the Lord say to him? Come on, get the picture. He says, don't save it. Don't save it. So what do they do? They saved it. He says, okay, now save it, but don't go out. So what'd they do? They went out. Come on, are you getting the picture? What is rebellion? It's resistance. It's opposition. He said, go up and take the land. No, we're not going. Okay, turn around. Go back to the wilderness. No, no, we're going now. (laughs) Don't save the manna. Yeah, let's save some. Just in case. Okay, now save it, but don't go out. We better go out. Because there might be some. And we want to be good stewards. If it's out there. We don't want to waste any of it. You know, if the Lord's giving it to us. We want to be good stewards. And you want to be diligent. Diligent. We don't just want to lay around here and do nothing. We should be diligent. Get up early and go out and look for some. Because if there's some there, we want to save it. You can find scriptures for all that. And it's just as rebellious as can be. What did the Lord say? What did he say? we're not talking about a man. This is the Lord. What did the Lord say? How long are you going to refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Is the Lord pleased with them? Is he okay with this? How long? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. So He's given you on the sixth day the bread of two days. I give you twice as much the day before. And I told you, everybody, stay where you are. Stay in your place. Don't let anybody go out of His place on the Sabbath day. He was angry with them. Remember the text? It grieved God. He said, they don't know my ways. What are some of his ways? Obedience. Faith. Let's go over this again real slow. When the Lord says, go up. Huh? Don't think too hard about it. Just get your stuff and go. When the Lord says, don't go. Don't go. Don't even be open to discussing all the reasons why you should go. Just don't go. If the Lord says, don't save it. Even if you've got no clue where any more might come from for the rest of your life, just what? Just don't save it. Don't save it. If he says, save it now, but don't go out looking for more. Then just stay right where you are. And don't look. Do these things still apply to us today? Yes. Oh, every day of our life. Amen. We've got the Spirit of God in us. Yes. Same Holy Ghost that was dealing with them yes. is in you and I. He leads us yes. daily. Other times He'll deal with you. Sow it. Yes. Don't sow it. Yes. Yes. Save it. Clean it out. Wow. Right? Yes. How many know if you're zigging when you should be zagging? <laughs> it's rebellion. If you're saving when you should be sowing. If you're spending when you should be saving. It's because you're hard-headed. You're stubborn. You won't listen. See, people plead ignorance. But again and again, it is not ignorance. It's rebellion. Hosea. Have you got just a couple of more minutes? I'm not quite through. Hosea. Because we're having so much fun, I... Somebody say, woo-hoo. Yeah. You know what's fun? Not getting destroyed. (laughs) You know what's fun? Not having to stay 40 years. In the dry places. Hosea 4, 6. Anybody know what it says? Read it to me. Who? Who? My people. My people are what? Destroyed. destroyed. Isn't that what he said? Yes. He that often being reproved and hardeneth in his heart shall be destroyed suddenly. And there's no cure. There's no recovery. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because they just hadn't had opportunity <laughs> to hear it. And didn't understand it. And just really didn't get it. And really didn't know. Is that the end of the sentence? What's the rest of the sentence? Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you. God resists the proud. Why? Because the proud resisting him. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ ignorant of a lot of things. They really don't know them. But a lot of it is still their fault that they don't know them. You know, we've made uh, a lot of our materials through the ministry. We've made a lot of things available at at no charge. And and people have taken advantage of it. One day the Lord said to me in the service, we announced it, that no charge meant no excuse. (laughs) No excuse. What does that mean? No excuse for not knowing it. Not having it. Not getting it. How much is available to us? See, so many folk, they are legitimately, as far as what they know and see, they are ignorant. And they're being destroyed because of that ignorance. But the truth is, 25 years ago, the Lord began to show something to them and they didn't want to hear it. And they wouldn't leave their dead church. Did you hear me? And He led them to go to a meeting. And they wouldn't go. And what they didn't know is if they had went to that meeting, it would have opened up something to them. And that would have led to something else. And that would have led to something else. And that would have led to something else. And and 20 years later, they would have known. Oh, are y'all with me now? They would have known. So they are ignorant, but it's because they rejected knowledge that would have led to other knowledge that it would have led to more revelation. Oh, Oh, can you see this, friend? So it still comes back to being obstinate and stubborn and won't do. I know, looking back, Phyllis and I, I mean, us standing in here in the room with you, me being in the ministry, us being, us having a a church and a ministry, I can go back and look where a meeting that we were delayed to go to. One of the very first ones was uh, Brother Kenneth and Miss Gloria in Jackson, Mississippi, back in the 70s. Changed our life. What if we hadn't gone? That led to something else. That led to something else. That led to something else. Later on, the Lord led us to go to a camp meeting at Kenneth Hagin Ministries. Man, it took all the faith we had, every dime we had, and we got there, and while we were there, the Lord spoke to us, You're supposed to be a part of this. What if we hadn't gone? What if I'd have said, I ain't got time for this? I don't want to do that. I'm not a preacher. I'm going to understand, rebellion and obstinance anywhere along the way will cut you off from things you'll never find out about. You'll just know your life is not right. You'll just know that you're in a dry place. You're not having fun. You know there's more out there, but you're not getting into it. Why are you not getting in there? Because back here, you didn't do what you were told to do. Go to Psalm 68, please. I think I'm closing. Do you care? Is it important that we obey every day? You don't know what your disobedience could cost you. The sad thing is you may not find out because you never got there. You didn't do it, so you didn't find out what that hooked up to. You didn't find out the next part of it. You just know things are not right. How many Christians are there that they know things are not right? They're just dissatisfied. They're just unhappy. They're unfulfilled. They know God's good. They know there's more. But they just, they're not satisfied. There's only one way to have God's best. You've got to be willing and obedient. Somebody say willing. Willing. And obedient. That's Isaiah 1, isn't it? Willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. The next verse said, but if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured. You'll be destroyed. You'll be consumed by the sword. So there's a choice. Willing and obedient. Hard-headed and rebellious. All of us got flesh. That flesh will jump up and want to rebel. You better grab it by the throat. You better double slap it. Yes. Slap it down (laughs) and say, you don't have anything to say. Shut up. You got nothing to say except, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Here I go. He says, go. Here I go. He says, stay. Isn't that what uh, the centurion said? Huh? I say, go. And he goes. I say, come here. And he comes. And the Lord says, I hadn't seen great faith like that. No, not in all Israel. And he got his miracle. Psalm 68, now I know I'm taking a little extra time, but we got into something earlier this week that I mentioned coming back to, and I want us to come back to it right now. Psalm 68, and this is a great, great truth. Many have said, I had to harden myself to protect myself. I was abused. I was neglected. I was mistreated. I opened my heart and let somebody in, and they hurt me, and so I'm not letting that happen again. And so I'm putting up this wall. It's another way of saying I'm hardening my heart. Is there a justifiable excuse and reason for hardening your heart? That was weak. Come on, think about it now. Is there a case where somebody has been through such stuff and enough stuff that they are excused? They—it It is understandable, it is justifiable that they have hardened themselves. No, No, people have done it, but it's confusion and it's deception because it will only bring you more hurt. Because you do that with people... You're going to do it with God. You can't separate it. You can't be hard with people and not be hard with God. I know people think they can, but you can't think about it. If you love God, how's that demonstrated? By loving your brother. If a man say, you know, I love God, but he hates his brother. What does the Bible say? You're a liar. It's simply not true. What if you say, well, I respect God, but you got no respect for people. It's simply not true. If it's there in you for God, it will be manifested toward his people. It has to be. You can't be completely open with God and hard with people. Can't be. Psalm 68 describes this, and you'll see it, how it applies to what we've been looking at all morning. Psalm 68, verse 5. God, well, let me back up. Let me back up to verse uh, four. Sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him that rides upon the heavens by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a father of the fatherless. He's a judge of the widows. Is God in his holy name. Habitation. How many believe it? How many believe it? That's a little weak. How many believe that if you don't have a daddy, God will be your daddy? Come on now. If you don't have a spouse, God will be your spouse. If you don't have a friend, God will be your friend. Does he have the ability to fill you up emotionally? And spiritually, yes, yes. mentally, yes. satisfy your desire. Yes. He's a father yes. to the fatherless. He's a mother to the motherless. He's a friend to the friendless. So it's not true for people that are saved, born again, to lament that I. I never really had a daddy. I never really had a, a brother. I, and to feel sorry for themselves. Because if you're born again, you can't say that anymore. I said if you're born again. You have a father. You got the best father. You got a brother. You got the best brother there's ever been. And besides that, what about all of us? What are we? <laughs> Heard somebody say "Chop liver. <laughs> yeah, what are we? You got us. It's sad that so many people cling to the hurts of their past and justify themselves being hard hearted. Because I didn't have this and I didn't have that. Didn't is the operative word. Past tense. Are you born again? Then forget about it. Because you got it now. I said you got it now. You got it now. Notice how this flows together. How it connects though. He said he's a father of the fatherless. Verse 6. God sets the solitary in what? In families. Of course, there's the family of God. But God will give you also natural relationships. These are the natural and spiritual is the family of God. And he brings out those which are bound with chains. But are you reading? But what? What? The rebellious, the hard-hearted, where are they going to live? Not in the rich fellowship of family. Not in the full provision of prosperity. But in what? In a dry, sparse land. How many of you can be living geographically in a lush, green place, but spiritually still be in a dry land? Listen to other translations. The Young's literal translation says, God causing the lonely to dwell at home, bringing out bound ones into prosperity. That's the literal rendering. A lot of your modern translations will use the word prosperity. Only the refractory, now that word means the obstinate, the stubbornly disobedient... Will inhabit a dry place. Oh friends are you listening with your spirit. What happened to the Israelites. What happened to them. Did this verse come to pass in their life. Huh. Did God have a plan for them. A land that flowed with milk and honey. Full prosperity. And did he have a plan for them. That not only would they enjoy each other's presence and family, but they'd enjoy his very own presence in their midst, leading them out and bringing them back in. Were they supposed to be lonely? No. no. Were they supposed to be lacking? No. no. But the rebellious will be lonely. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And the rebellious will have sparse provision. There are people, bless their hearts, they're lonely, lonely, lonely. And their provision is spark. They're making it, but they're subsisting. That sounds like the wilderness. Just enough manna to get you by through the day. Now, why did they live in a dry, desolate, lonely place with just enough provision to get you through the day for 40 years? Was that the plan of God? No. Was it the will of God? No. Why would they live like that? Rebellious. Yeah. Rebellious. He says go and they stay. He says stay, they go. He says don't save it, they save it. And it didn't just happen two or three times. It happened year after year. Nearly everything he told them to do. They did the opposite. And it caused them to live a lonely life. And a dry life. And a sparse provision life. There are many Christians, bless their hearts. They're lonely. They are, and they're just subsisting. And the thing is, God has given them an opportunity to be a part of things. But they're too headstrong. God led them and let them be a part of a thing. But they got in there and they thought they had to run it. Did you hear me? And they wouldn't submit. Everything has to be their way. There are people that could have been married. And enjoying a family 20 years ago. But they are too hard headed. They had a wonderful relationship. With an individual. And uh, they thought they had to tell them what to do. And they had to boss them night and day. And it had to be their way or the highway. And so they don't realize it. But they messed up what God had sent for them. I know this is not. Happy stuff. But why is the Lord talking to us about this? So you can be aware. And so you can be ready when things come up. And not mess up what God's doing in your life. Did God have these Israelites set up? Did he have them set up? He he said I picked out this land from the whole earth. I spied it out. I picked it out. I've set it up for you. Did they mess up what God had for them? They did. They messed it up. Can you mess up what God has for you? You can. Through what? Rebellion. Being hard-headed. Messing up your situation. Coming in and refusing to take instruction. Won't do it their way. Got to have your way. Everybody's got to submit to you and bow to you. Got to conform to you. Got to adapt to you. Well... You can have it that way. But you're going to be lonely. I said, you're going to be lonely. And your provision's going to be sparse. You'll dwell in a dry land. Somebody say, not me. I don't want to live in a dry land. Stand on your feet, everybody. God is a merciful God. How many have faith in his mercy? He's a a merciful God. What if you've messed up? Even if you have messed up. If you'll confess it. And forsake it. You can get mercy. How many believe God would give you other opportunities on some things? Even if you did mess it up and blow it. He'll give you other opportunities. He's so gracious. He's so good. But you got to get your heart right. you got to get right. And you've got to quit this rebellious stuff. You know how many in here has ever rebelled? (laughs) I know I was reading, years ago, I was reading... The first generation of Israelites, God brought out of Egyptian bondage. And if you read the whole thing from start to finish, man, it just becomes glaringly. Gla- you're all excited. God's doing miracles. He's bringing them out. And then they mess it up. And you go, oh, man. And then they mess it up again. And then they mess it up again. And after a while, you're thinking, oh, no, they're going to do it again, aren't they? And they did. They messed it up again. And I'm thinking, at one point, I put the Bible down. This was many years ago. I said, God, what's wrong with these people? And he said, they're a lot like you. I thought, What? And it reminded me of 1 Corinthians. They're written for our examples. And I thought, God, I don't want to be like that. But it's the nature of your flesh. And if you don't get a hold of it, and you don't know something about it, you will be. Close your eyes. Lift up your heart before the Lord. Everybody say it out loud, pray it out loud, Father God. I don't want to be rebellious. I don't want to harden my heart. I don't want to mess up what you have for me. I don't want to miss out. On your goodness. Prepared for me. I see what an evil thing. Rebellion. Hardness of heart is. I see. How it angers you. And it grieves you. I want to be far from it. I don't want to be that way. In areas and ways. I've messed things up. Help me to realize it. Open my eyes. Grace me to change it. That I may change. And do so no more. That I may repent. Grant me repentance. To the acknowledging of the truth. That I may recover myself. Out of the snare. Of the devil. That I may change. Be corrected. And do so. No more. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge.